What's up, coaches? This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Sky Coach. Sky Coach is a proven sideline replay technology that will give you the advantage over opponents utilizing anything else. 24-7 support, a flexible network that works in any stadium and in any size crowd, and their most reliable, innovative software available. And also, again, as I've said, you get a butt shot with Sky Coach during the game that is second to none, and it comes in reliably every time uh, as soon as the play is over. To be the best, you must use the best. Don't let your team down by choosing something inferior. Sky Coach, the market leader in sideline replay. Visit them at myskycoach.com to learn even more. This episode of the podcast is also powerfully brought to you by Sideline Power. Sideline Power is the industry leader in coaching communication. Offering cutting-edge technology and innovation, Sideline Power helps coaches around the country elevate their programs to the next level with new and used headsets, end-zone cameras, drones, portable sound systems, timers, and much, much more. Sideline Power works one-on-one with some of the most influential coaches and nationally ranked programs in high school football. They continue to help coaches push the envelope of players and program development. From NFL-level coaching communications to cutting-edge video technology, Sideline Power encompasses a full array of products needed to unleash the full potential of any program. Throughout the expansion of their product offering, Sideline Power has remained committed to offering quality coaching communication at price points for every single program. Family-owned and operated with a customer-first mentality, Sideline Power is truly the number one choice for coaching communication. You can visit them online at sidelinepower.com, by email at info at sidelinepower.com, or just give them a call, 800-496-4290. Our other powerful sponsor, uh, is uh, this episode is brought to you by Powerlift. We don't just like them because of their name. We also use them at Broken Arrow and at Ankeny to design both of our facilities. Again, guys, you get to work with um, stand-up guys and girls that that truly love our sport. They love football. Uh, They love uh, helping your high school or college get to the next level. They want your strength and conditioning program to be top-notch, and that's what they've helped us to do at both of our high schools. And and not to mention, right, even if a company's really bad, uh, really awesome and they've got a lot of good products, but you've got to deal with people you don't want to be around every every time you buy something new, um, that's no fun. That's not the case with Powerlift. You get to deal with great guys, great girls, uh, guys like J.R. Conrad, guys that truly care about the game. Powerlift is a trusted program that has designed the University of Oklahoma, University of Iowa, Baylor University, and many, many high school weight facilities uh, just here in the last few years, along with many, many more college facilities. Let Powerlift take your unique needs and use them to design your state-of-the-art facility. From concept to completion, choose Powerlift. Powerful ideas, powerful results. As always, made in the USA. Go check them out at power-lift.com. And last, but again, certainly never least, uh, this episode is brought to you by Team Attack Academy. Team Attack Academy is an online football development site for football players and coaches of all levels. It's the most powerful teaching tool introduced into the game today to raise the level of playing and coaching football. After using Team Attack Academy, your athletes and coaches will outplay, outwork, and outsmart their opponents guaranteed. Visit Team Attack Academy at teamattackacademy.com.
And that's going to do it for the reads today. On today's episode of RTP, we talk with A.J. Smith. Coach Smith is currently the quarterback coach at Jackson State University in Jackson, Mississippi, where he works for Air Raid legend and OC Hal Mummy. Listen as we talk with Coach Smith about playing for Doug Peterson in high school, teaching concepts and strategies in the Air Raid system through the use of virtual reality, and the rebirth of the One Back Clinic coming up in June in Dallas, Texas. You can follow Coach Smith on Twitter at Austin J State. Hope you guys enjoy. So just kind of coach how we always start all of these is is why don't you just go ahead and, and give us and your listeners a little bit of background as far as you know how you came up through the ranks of football and, and what you're doing now and, and where you're coaching and what you're what you've been up to and, and kind of how you got there. Yeah, hey, uh, you know, I'm Austin James Smith, the quarterback coach at Jackson State University with, with Coach Mummy running the air raid. Uh, I am a pass it guy. Uh, this is my 11th season coaching. Uh, you know, spent a, a lot of time GAing. Uh, before I got this job with uh, guys like Noel Mazzoni at UCLA and June Jones at SMU and uh, and some other other stunts as well. And then I was a high school offensive coordinator when I was 20, 21 years old in South Louisiana, and that's where I'm from. And if you're from that area, uh, I grew up in Shreveport where uh, I played high school football for Doug Peterson. Uh, so when they talk about his, his team he coached at you know, in high school, that, that was us. That was me. So he's he's had a big step from coaching me at five ten, one forty to Alshon Jeffrey. So, uh, but that's that's my football <laughs> life in a glance, right there. I'm sure he'd take you over Alshon Jeffrey anytime. No. <laughs> yeah, that would be. But uh, but no, Doug was one of the greatest. We laugh because we go back and watch our film, and we were so bad up front. I mean, awful. And we went 10-0, and beat the best team in the state. Uh, and we laugh and like, dude, Doug's best coaching job of his life was this offensive line that could protect. It wasn't winning the Super Bowl. It was right here at high school football. <laughs> That's usually kind of the way it goes, doesn't it? Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's funny because we had that season in 2007, and then in 2017 he – he won it so exactly 10 years from championship to championship and man he's just one of the, the greatest in the game the coach I, I always thought I mean the cool thing about coach Peterson was obviously I mean what an unbelievable experience he had you know backing up a guy like Brett Favre who let's be honest is probably one of my top three favorite football players of all time but having that that gunslinger mentality it's like hey why are you making this throw because I can you know, and, and all of a sudden he's having to go back to high school ball and, and cobble together a championship team when you can't block people. And all of a sudden now it, it all kind of pays off for him in, in a, a Super Bowl championship. You know, to me, that's that's kind of what the, the whole game is about. You know, guys guys grinding out, having those cool stories and and being able to, to put those things together. I mean, that's what that's what makes the sport what it is. If you ask me, you know, listen to your story. Same kind of deal, you know, minus the Super Bowl ring. Right. No, and he got the best advice in the world when he, he was debating whether or not to get into coaching. You know, his career was coming to an end. 
And, uh, you know, all our coaching journeys are different. Nobody's story is the same of how you get from the, you know, where you're at now to where you're going to be eventually if you're climbing that ladder. And, you know, Andy Reid, like, well, you need to find out if you like coaching. And if you want to find out if you like coaching, go coach high school football. Because if you can mm-hmm. coach high school football, you can coach in the NFL easily. And uh, so he did. And, I mean, he came down and, and coached a bunch of nads, you know, non-athletic dudes. <laughs> and he, he, he coached. He coached this ten and zero season, and uh, he could do it. And what was great, we look back, we were running things so sophisticated in the West Coast offense. He taught it to a T. Our 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 play names would be like gun spread right, seventy six protection, Aggie um, Aggie Z N, and that's just one play. And uh, you know, you know, you hear those links of John Gruden plays. I mean, that was us. And mm-hmm. we had to be one of the only teams in the college fo- our high school football running a true West Coast offense with a guy like Doug Peterson. And when you saw him, like you said, all we ever saw was Doug Peterson, but we'd see Brett Favre. It's like this yeah. is an NFL guy. So for a lot of people, you know, they're like, oh, that's the real Doug, the Super Bowl head coach. And to me, it's not because I've always had that kind of, I wouldn't say fear is kind of the word, uh, wrong word selection, but just all of him, like, this is an NFL guy that's coaching me. I don't feel like I should even be out on the field. And uh, it's, it was an awesome deal, and I'm so proud for what, what he did and, and what he did with the Eagles. It's a, it's a great deal just to, to say that was my head high school coach. Was he your high school coach the entire time you were there, or did you have a coach before or after him? I, he was there for my three years. He was there a total of four, but he okay. got there my sophomore year. And, uh, you know, so we were like on the freshman team with the guy that was there. And he, he took over a school that just – we had just created a new school. Uh, hmm. It was within its first year of existence. So he came the first year we were eligible for the LHSAA, and he built it from the ground up. You know, we were like three and seven the first year, and then we went about eight and two the second year, and then went a 10 and 0 season the next. Yeah, I'm sure that had to have been fun for you guys, you know, going from, from three and seven to, to winning, you know, winning championships. It's always, a, it's always cool to see guys that, and we've had a lot of coaches on here that have done it, but, you know, bring teams from such a, you know, not a good record, obviously a losing record, even though it is a, a beginning, you know, new school up to winning championships and, and the climb and the, you know, it seems like a huge jump from one year to the next uh, to winning. So I'm sure as a high school, as a high school kid getting a, an NFL quarterback to come in and then just seeing your guys get so much better from year to year had to have been a really fun high school experience. Right. Well, we're a young team. I mean, our, our when I was a sophomore, we were pretty much the whole school. I think we had like 30 sophomores and then maybe, five juniors and maybe two seniors because it was a brand new school. So we knew by the time we were seniors and we had built this thing up for three years, it was, it was going to be rocking. And it was, you know, we, we went on a run and did our deal and, you know, we had one of the most efficient offense in the state that year. So going from the West coast system where sometimes you have to write a book to call a play, um, what's what's it now like for you at Jackson State working for Coach Mummy? I, I would imagine that uh, it probably feels like a breath of fresh air that some of the shorter play calls you guys get to operate with. You know, explain a little bit of the difference between you said, I mean, it sounds like it took you guys years to develop into your championship caliber to kind of know all the nuances, whereas with mm-hmm. most air raid teams, you can probably get pretty profi- proficient, I wouldn't say immediately, 
but probably faster than you would in a West Coast system. Would you agree or would you disagree? Yeah, here's an interesting thing about that. You know, you're correct with the terminology. You know, I just listed about 10 words for one play call. Our same play call would be open six, which was the formation and the play. Mm -hmm. uh, it's that simple, two words. But the, <laughs> the whole ideology of, the, of those systems are yeah. almost identical. There's really not that big a difference between West Coast offense and air raid, depending on, you know, how far right or how far left you're in between the two. If you go back to the core of each system, who's the core to West Coast offense? Bill Walsh. Who's the core to offense of the air raid? It's Hal Mummy. Both of them made their offense by watching BYU tape. Most people don't realize that about uh, yeah. Bill Walsh. But everyone knows about Mummy and, and BYU and, and Air Coriel, uh, or not Air Coriel, um, uh, Coach um, uh, – it's, it's on the tip of my tongue. Um, Lavelle Edwards. God, I can't believe Lavelle, Coach Lavelle Edwards. And then, see, when, B, uh, when Coach Walsh was sitting there with the Bengals and he got the BYU quarterback, Virgil Carter, and he couldn't throw it past 20 yards, but he was accurate as heck inside it. Well, he goes, hey – and he started watching the BYU tape. That's when he got the idea, and he started implementing the West Coast offense. So all that stuff really comes right through Lavelle Edwards and BYU, and Mike Holmgren was there. And so what happens is, okay, the West Coast offense takes pride in sophistication and long terminology and just calling everything out and, and knowing every assignment, whereas the air raid is like, okay – um, you know, we're not professional football or predominantly all college coaches. Our kids got to go mm -hmm. to school and do all these other things. Let's simplify it, but let's get the same results, which is, hey, let's get passes out horizontally. And if we can get three yards, we're, you know, the defense thinks they're kicking our butt. But if we were to run for three yards, they think they're getting their butt kicked. So that same type of philosophy applies to both offenses. Because it's different from, say, like a run-and-shoot offense or a, an Art Briles-type offense where it's deep pass, deep pass. These guys take pride in just completing balls, getting in the 70% range, and, and chipping away, chipping away, chipping away. So it's, it's very similar. And what we're doing at Jackson mm -hmm. State is pretty cool because we're taking the, the easiness of, of the air raid reads for quarterbacks, and now we're kind of combining more option routes with them, like – run and shoot galore like more mm -hmm. new new stuff that run and shoot never even did kind of modernizing it versus you know four cross teams and palms and all these new looks that weren't out in the 80s and we're able to do that through our virtual reality training and so we're able to double our practice times because quarterbacks can go out there and they get 80 plays out on the field between our ones and twos and they can go back and it's like having two practices and, uh, you know, I, I invented the virtuality stuff through VAR. So it's, it's kind of a combination of me and mommy coming together. And right now we exploded on offense at Jackson. Our second scrimmage, we threw for 707 yards. Um, and so if we can carry over kind of our new kind of – we got some test tubes running and, and carry this over to the season, uh, we should have a special year if we can keep everything rolling the way it is. You know, I don't want to speak for the season. You know, it's just spring football, but we're feeling pretty good, and we hope hope things play out the way we see them right now. Now, uh, forgive me a little bit for my ignorance. Um, I played in 
a uh, an air raid type offense, but I know that there's a lot of different subsets and offsets and different things, and, and hopefully maybe you can get into a little bit of that uh, as we go. But uh, was was air raid when Mummy first did it? Was it uh, was it up tempo? Was it spread no huddle fast as you can go, or is that one of the offsets off of? Because uh, because when I was at Houston, we were air raid. We we were air raid, and and um, but we were up tempo and we were no huddle. Is that how it originated with Mummy or uh, are you guys, you know, not that? Uh, we're, we're that now, but it's not how it originated. You know, with your time at Houston is one of the best ever of all time uh, when it was rocking, you know, with Holgerson and, and Kingsbury. But how it originated, you got to go back to what BYU was doing when Mummy first got it. And he still gets into this more so than other teams as it was two backs with tight end and two, two receivers. Hmm. And, 21 uh, personnel. That 21 personnel. And, you know, they're, they're running the cross, they're running mesh, uh, they're running the cell route, all those things. And then their one run play was the trap draw. And it, it, it evolved from that. And how it evolved, Coach Mommy told the story last year at a, it's a one-back clinic. And he'll, we'll get into that a little bit later because uh, that, that's coming up again soon in Dallas. Uh, Hillman Leach got the idea by going and watching uh, – a practice period down in Florida of a USFL team. Um, and it wasn't the band that filled another one. It might've been the renegade and they're sitting there and they had this two minute period where it was just, uh, they called it the bandit period. And it was the ball would move 10 yards and it moved from left, middle, right hash. And there was no huddle. And it was a uh, play. It was a two minute drill. And it was, a, and everything's just, you know, going balls to walls, everyone's going out. And then they kind of just asked him, about, hey, what period was that? And then him and Leach kind of started saying, well, what, what if we did that every time? And that's where kind of the next step went to. So it, it's definitely, as you said, like an offset of what style you want to be. But uh, it's, it's more the popular trend to, to be that way because I think you, you catch defenses on their heels. Um, you know, and I think it has to do with your quarterback and his intelligence. If he can go no huddle and make checks on his own and doesn't have to get the play call, then you should be doing it. If, you know, he needs it slowed down, he, he needs – you maybe need to talk to him every play, get a huddle and, and kind of conversate with him, and then there's a lot of merit to do that as well. Uh, you, at the end of the day, you always got to base your schematics about what your personnel can do best and round it around them. That's what I was going to say. I mean, you know, obviously it started with the, the age of two backs. Do you think it's kind of morphed more to the, the one back stuff simply because, one, not enough tight ends to go around, and two, maybe it's easier for a lot of these college teams because, honestly, that's kind of where Air Raid has had its birth, right, would be college football. It's easier just to find some of those four fast, quick receivers, uh, guys you can put in the slot like Wes Welker's, that, that can kind of mm -hmm. be your run game guys that you can flip the ball out. They're smart. They can run option routes. Do you think that's why it's kind of morphed from the 21 personnel? that be your opinion? That, that's exactly why. Because if you look at where those guys, you know, Leach and, and Mummy and these, these other guys where they got their jobs, you know, it was Kentucky. Okay. Mm -hmm. You're in the same league as Alabama, LSU. We all know the SEC. You're, you're not getting those same type of players. So it evolved and innovated. So we should just be four odds all the time because we can match up and get these guys that can create some space. Same thing when Leach went to Texas Tech. You know, you're not Oklahoma, you're not Texas, 
they're not Texas A&M. And so they, they played the personnel to, to their advantage. And, uh, you know, it'd be interesting to see, you know, Mike Leach be the head coach of LSU and see what type of personnel sets he had come out with there or, or uh, Alabama or Georgia. I think, you know, we'd see a little bit different innovation or maybe they wouldn't be as aggressive and they'd be conservative and kind of go back to the original Bill Lavelle Edwards creative. Uh, yeah. But that's that's a gr- great point. That's that's what happened. And it also, while while five, you know, empty came out, you know, for at least that was, you know, we went from having a tight end to two backs, and a lot of the times at Texas Tech, Leach was an empty, and it was a simple. I, I don't, I can't even get a running back, you know, but I can get five mm-hmm. guys that want to catch in this offense, and so, uh, you, and it kind of goes back to what I was saying. You always got to, you know, savor your schemes and see your personnel and what you can recruit or what you get as a high school coach. You know, you get what you got, and uh, you got to work with what you get. Well, that's what, you know, when we were rolling at Houston, that was what it was so cool that they did was we never had, and I wish we could say we were top-notch recruits at offensive line, but we weren't. But we could get <laughs> we could get some guys that were walk-ons, uh, you know, like Patrick Edwards, who was a freak speed-wise, oh, yeah. and, and you could dump it out to him. Or Tyron Carrier, who no one else wanted because he was, you know, whatever, 5'8", but again, fast as could be, and you could chunk it out there. And one of the best things that Case did, other than, like you said, uh, check into the plays that he wants was with that offense. And, and we learned really quick after he left, if you throw any incompletions when you're going hurry up like that, it's like it kills your entire, your entire drive, right? Even if you throw one for however, negative one yards or just go even, but you catch it, at least you can keep rolling. The, the one thing that killed us always was any kind of drop pass or any kind of incompletion slowed everything down. It, it ruined our whole tempo. So like you said, and something that I, you don't think about very often, or I don't anyways, is is how many short uh, passes that that that, w- that were thrown in that offense or that are thrown in that offense to get completions and get these uh, speed freak athletes out in space and let them go do their thing. Right. No, that's exactly it. And, you know, you look at personnel, to me the most, and that's why they get paid the most, is that quarterback position. It's it's how – it really doesn't become scheme. It's becomes how well can we get this guy coached up to where he is the OC and he's checking. And what's different between – or what's same between the West Coast offense and the and the air raid is we rather have the guy with quick feet and, and quick, quick releases. And then we don't care about his height. You know, Case Keenum's a shorter guy. I think, our, you know, our high school quarterback we had, he was like 5'10", but he had the quickest release and maybe in the nation and was super smart. Football smarts out of his mind. And uh, so if you can get the smart guy that can, no matter what, you know, hit the check down and we be in the above 75% completion rate, you know, that's not going to kill the tempo. But, you know, like you said, if you're trying to be a tempo team, and you're just a, kind of just a regular spread team, and you're going to hit the double post versus cover four, uh, and the safety's coming down. That's what you want, and you miss it. Well, there's a huge momentum. You know, where's where's the rhythm? Where's the momentum? You know, that's that's not what we go because once like, and as you know, when Houston would get rolling, and it was boom, boom, boom. You're just you're you're sitting there and jabbing, 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 and you get close to that red zone, and you set it up. Here comes the punch. It, it is a rhythm thing, and there's this. It's proven the test of time. You know, it's 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 up there for one of the the best offenses that are out there, and you just got to have the personnel to do it. 
I like what you said about, you know, relinquishing some of the control and, and having the QB be the OC. I think a, a lot of guys make mistakes and, and think that they have to control the whole game, especially when, you know, you have a special QB. You know, teach these guys some of the rules, teach them the reads, teach them what plays they, they should be getting in and out of, what are good against these situations, what personnel is it good against, and, and let those guys just go to work. But I think some guys almost kind of take it like the wrong way, coaches that is, and let their ego get in the way. You're like, no, man, that's the way football is. You don't play. You know, they play. Make those guys confident to go make plays. No, that's, that's absolutely right. I think where I grew as a coach is I used to think, you know, early on, you know, me proving I'm a great coach is at the right time I'm going to call this very schematic play I drew up in the dirt or a game planned in and the guy's going to bust wide open and, hey, I'm a genius. <laughs> And that's the greatest coaching job I can do is just to bust the coverage, look look at me type deal. And what I realized is, no, the best coaching job you can do, or at least for me in my room as a quarterback coach, is to teach my quarterback everything I know, spend so much time with them that he thinks the exact same way or he knows what I'm thinking every time he lines up. To the point, like in our open six call, we counted. We have over 15 checks we can make, and we give him full freedom. We never, ever get mad at a quarterback if he checks because he's trying to do the same thing we're trying to do, which is go score. Because, and I'm kind of starting to call it this, he's going to now go from when you give a kid a play, they're processing and they're trying to run your play and they're thinking about what they should do. Now we've changed our offense to the visualize, which is he gets out there, he sees something mm-hmm. in the defense he wants to attack with, and he's no longer trying to process what you told him. He's coming up in his mind and seeing it. I want to visualize running the smash first cover one. I got five in the box. I want to visualize, and he's seeing it. And he's, in, and he's got five in the box, and he's handing off the draw. So what, what's going on, is what we've noticed in our spring because I did a study because it's the most we're me and him were coming up with some ideas because mommy and I said you know really make this thing special every in our spring game anytime we keep the quarterback checked and he, he checked the play out of the original play we completed it 95 percent of the time I think it was 19 for 20 in our spring game well why is it so high because he's visualizing so if you can do a great coaching job, which is coach your quarterback to become you, that's the best coaching job. It's not the best to play or the, the, the magic play you drew up. It's getting your quarterback better than you are. And that's, that's my opinion with it, and we're, we're, we're going to try to rock it this year. I'm excited to watch. I mean, to me, that's the only way. I've coached quarterbacks too, and, and it was the same thing for me. I wanted those guys to, to see the game the way we did. You know, give them the fundamentals. You know, make sure they can get the ball out right if they got problems with their release. Obviously, you have to work on some of that in high school. But I, I wanted the reads to be simple. I wanted them to be confident. And if there was plays that they didn't like, I didn't call them. You know, that's the other thing. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you meet with your QBs and you're like, what do you like? like? Coach, I hate 96 or whatever the heck it is. Like, cool, I ain't going to call it. I won't have it in the game plan. Don't do not do it. I mean, why call a play a kid isn't confident in, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. that, that was always the first kid I went to when I was making my call sheet because – that guy is the extension of me. He's going to have to execute what we do. All right. You know, one, one, one little revelation that was groundbreaking for me is that, hey, you know, 
and, and some of the offense I've been in, we take great pride of being no huddle, line up, and then we're looking for uncovered, and we're looking for this and that, and we're going to do a check with me offense. And, oh, there's he's uncovered. Give him the signal. There goes the quick screen, or there goes the quick out, or just throw it to him now type deal. And we were always calling that in from the sideline, and then it hit me. You know, we, we, we hit those great, and then we call a drop-back pass, and we're, not, we're 50%. And I go, mm-hmm. well, you know, if we, if we can't even get our quarterback to see something pre-snap with nobody rushing at him and see that read and see that defense, how, is he, how, are, we, how are we even thinking he's going to hit anything post-snap of guys running at him with guys going down the field? and run concepts, you know, if, so if he can't do this, he, we should never even call a pass play. And uh, so we started putting all the weight on us and he can't do it. Hey, get somebody else in there. We got to have a smart quarterback. And uh, that revelation hit me because like you said, some coaches want that control. They want to see it. They want to feel like, you know, they're, they're in the game and, and they're making the call. Well, if you're, if, you, if your quarterback's relying on you so much and when you actually have to take a five step drop and, and read some key defenders, it's not going to turn out so well because you kind of babied them every, everywhere else. Well, that was one of the cool parts that I always thought, and I thought it was really funny because um, it messed us up when we would come off the sideline. But all of our receivers got everything from the quarterback. He would, he would signal all the play out. He gets the signal in from the coach. He's signaling to the left, signaling to the right, everything. So when we were on the sideline coming out for first down, he'd have to, like, We'd have to get in a big huddle, and like the first few games, the coach would call the play. The receivers would never have any idea what it was because they hadn't heard a play in, in whatever, <laughs> three years. And so we'd have to huddle around, and they'd have to give the little signals in the in the huddle and then run out there and run the play. It was just, it just funny. That's awesome. Like you said, you know, giving those quarterbacks as much, much free reign as possible. So it was funny, but it was kind of cool to see. Um, I'm kind of curious, and again, I don't know all the offsets and, and all that stuff, but um, – are you guys are you guys wide splits and and vertical pass sets with your offensive line or or how are you guys working your offensive line? We we're a half slide vertical set team. Splits aren't the crazy uh, you know five foot splits you've heard in the past with uh, right. you know because what Coach Leach has done and even at Washington State he's brought it back down. Obviously he he changes based off his line, but we're three foot splits at Jackson State. And that's where we always start them, and we see kind of what we can do. And if we're getting beat, you know, we might move it to two, but we always start with three. And if we're dominating, hey, we might fill them out more because we, we do like the wide split. But, you know, we're a vertical set, half-slide team. We sort stuff out, uh, and uh, we roll. What are, the, what are the drops like? Because I, I know the one year we went to vertical sets as far as it was like a backpedal vertical set. Um, I didn't think our quarterbacks did a very good job, and I know almost nothing. I was a sophomore college offensive lineman, so given I know almost nothing, it was like our our quarterbacks' drops didn't match our offensive line's vertical set, and it seemed like we were always in the quarterback's lap. Is it, you know, can you kind of talk through the mechanics of that? Is it should should they have a little bit of a drop if you're vertical setting, or are there times that they're just going to have to throw with with linemen in their lap and the linemen, you have to teach them to, you know, set down the, the bull rush and the pressures. You would be surprised how little footwork gets coached in college football in this day and age. It's, 
you know, there's all this emphasis on RPOs and putting the athlete back there and, and, you know, do this, do that. And it's, it's, a, it's kind of becoming a lost art and going back to our, one of our original topics, you know, air raid versus West coast, the original, and we're doing it at Jackson state. Cause I, I have heavy emphasis on it was that your every, every route concept should have a different footwork for the quarterback. So the quarterback knows is, Hey, if it's, 92 and it's mesh I have a one-step drop and then that should match with with the, the vertical set the you know the the uh the offensive line are doing and then hey if it's Y stick you know now it's a 72 protection and that's our quick game and we're one two you know short setting and the quarterbacks this straight catch and release and, and our no drop and he attacks the ball you know that it matches and so, you know, if you're telling me those issues, I'd say, well, I don't think your quarterback understands the, what, what footwork he should do with his play. Because when we call six, which is, you know, our four verticals, you know, we're taking a five-step drop and getting the nine to ten yards. So we're getting away from God's vertical setting because for us, usually the tackles, we tell them five yards, but they usually never get there. It's kind of their landmark. So, mm-hmm. if they're, you know, they're making their cup at about five to six and the guards and our guards at about three. And we're at nine to ten. We we should have a pretty clean pocket to get, you know, nine to ten yards. Their vertical setting. We need three seconds to throw the football and get it, you know, forty yards down the field unless we attack something. Uh, so that it's a lost start. And it's funny you bring that up because I see it all the time. I'm like that that quarterback has no idea about footwork, but it's on the quarterback to understand what to do with his feet versus what play concept's been called, and uh, he has to be smart and executed. Totally agree. I mean, it's uh, to me. It's always. I always said. I mean, to me, if the quarterback was was getting hit, I mean, unless a guy gets completely obliterated, it was the QB's fault. I mean, and I just like to to have that mentality because, again, I didn't want him ever yelling at the offensive line to begin with. You know, those are the guys that are most important in his life. Um, going back, oh, coach, yeah. to to what you had said earlier. I know you'd said something about what you guys are doing, option route based. Um, that's always kind of been my deal in the past game we've always kind of been you know I've always I got my I cut my teeth in the west coast offense I've run the air raid before and then I've also run attributes of the run and shoot where we're reading things on the run if things are capped you're running this route if things are are man you're running this route what are some things you're doing in that because I'm kind of interested in that because obviously that's that's something close to me I'd like to keep it to where I'm coaching four or five basic concepts but it looks like a bunch of them to the defense because we know how to read coverages and, and adjust on the fly. All right. Well, I'll tell you what we've done and, and had a lot of success with, you know, you, the original, cause I've, I've coached with nearly all the option route gurus uh, of all time that had tremendous success breaking every record possible. Back then they always took great pride in knowing the all coverages possible. And mm-hmm. so they would, they would get those coverages and they would dr- start drawing every route conversion versus all 10 or 12 coverages. And this is what we're going to do. And uh, it's very sophisticated, you know. Um, and it, it worked for them because they were able to coach the crap out of it and they're one of the greatest ever's and they did it. And, you know, I, I, I coached that way for about five or seven years. And then getting with Coach Mummy, who's one of the greatest ever, and taking something complicated like the West Coast offense and simplifying it to kids, we really 
even in our quarterback room, never talk about coverages, ever. Uh, we just talk about green grass. And so if a receiver gets a landmark, we just ask them, where's the grass? And we let them naturally just break there. It could just be why get open, and he's going to get the 10 yards, and he could break anywhere, and Z will run a clear out, and, you know, that way he can go out. He can go – it doesn't matter. He's cleared it out, and he's just running the grass. So, hey, we know it's cover two, and he naturally runs a post because he's no longer thinking. Mm-hmm. He just sees green grass, and he knows that's an option where coverage is insane. You know, like even a simple H option route you know, uh, where he's coming out the backfield and you tell him, hey, verse man, break here or verse here, sit it down. Uh, they they come out there and they're thinking mm-hmm. instead of just saying, where's the grass? Where's the grass? And, you know, you're thinking about, well, coach is covered to Tampa or it's cover three, rotation coverage, Cleo. And, you know, it just gets so complicated for them. They don't play fast. Mm-hmm. And so I think our, one of the biggest things we're doing and why we got so good so fast is we, we've thrown that all out the book. And so we, we keep the complexity of all the option routes, but our guys just go faster through just going to grass. We don't even talk about it. And, uh, and another thing, too, you, you know, guys can get it, get, get those plays in with the option routes, and they're going – they get a guy that can't do it, and they go, all oh, this stuff doesn't work. It's too hard to coach. There is a merit to whether or not you have an option route guy because he has mm-hmm. to have some type of football sense. There's, there's just players that can't do it. They, they just can't. It's, it's not in them. They just need a clear path. Uh, then there's other guys that have a little specialness to them that can go 100%, do a little wiggle move, do a little technique. Uh, like a carrier would be an unreal option route guy. Boom, burst <laughs> out. You can't stop that guy. You know, they, they, have, they have it in them. So you got to know when you have the personnel to do it and then open it up, and when you don't, Hey, bring it back down. We're we're not going to be that great at option route, but we'll we'll, we'll work on it a little bit till we get that guy. You know. Mm-hmm. What's a what's always the rule you tell the QB? You know, because always something I told him, so it wasn't a guessing game. I mean, you knew where the grass was. You wait for the guy. I always said I would wait to throw till I see his eyes. So I mean, if he if he was breaking it off or if he was snapping it off, I want to put the football right at, right at his eyes. So when I saw his head snap and his eyes. That was when I had the quick release on the football. Is that something you teach as far as the timing of it? Because obviously it's not a true timing or rhythm route, correct? Right, but, and that's not a, a bad coaching point. And I've, I've heard coaches use use that technique, and and, and it works. I think we're we, we kind of advanced or not advanced. We 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 got so our chemistry of our receivers to quarterback where we're at are so good. I have to go back to the, our virtual reality uh, training in our, in our VAR system. So we, we have these option routes. And so he sees it that one day in practice. And, and, but then we go back and we watch it on the headset and you start to see how our receivers break down. And by just watching them and analyzing it 20 times over, at the perspective of the quarterback, not the overhead view, but the actual perspective of just like if he had the helmet on, we're like, where's the green grass? And he can see it in the helmet. Okay, it's right there in the middle of the field. What did the receiver do? Well, he stuck his left foot out where you know he's going, the post. Uh, And so it's more so we read our body language and when the receiver breaks, we we know he's going. And if he gets past his decision point, that's telling us too. Hey, he's he's going uh, uncapped. He's going over the top, 
And I just think it's, 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 it's the use of our advancement with technology that, uh, you know, I know Coach Mummy's used that rule uh, before, but now we've just kind of moved on from it because our quarterback's yeah. so smart at reading body language. And I have well, to give the credit a lot to our, our technology. You're saying, yeah, I mean, more more reps, being able to see it and see the, the guy's demeanor getting in and out of the cut. I mean, I just think, yeah, that that would naturally happen. That's awesome. Well, right. No, absolutely. Well, Coach, obviously we got kind of hooked up because because of the one back uh, power clinic. So, um, and and we were it's unfortunate we can't make it down this year. We thought we were going to, and then uh, obviously the teacher strike in Oklahoma pushed all of our all of our football back a little bit. So, um, you know, the clinic on the second of June, I believe, is our is our last day of football is June first, and it's in the morning. So, unfortunately, we don't we're not able to make it, but. Um, you know, I'm sure like our, some of our former guests are going to be there and Coach Mackey, I'm sure, uh, will love to be there or, or order in the videotape or he'll be there, one or the other, because he eats all that stuff up. So um, but that's kind of how we got into contact. So what are some things, because I've never been to it, uh, you know, what are, what are some things you guys are going to talk about? One, but number two, my big question was, why is it called, you know, one back clinic? I, I just would have assumed it would have been called the air raid clinic. <laughs> You know, uh, when so this clinic is kind of a, a, a gathering of group of guys that are kind of aerators, want to learn about the offense. You know, and this goes back to the '90s, and they just simply called it the One Back Clinic because it was in the '90s, and that's when pretty much a lot of teams were still two back in the eye and split back and all those things. So that's just the name they rolled with it before Aerade really had a name. Okay. And you know, they did that for about ten years or so. And then uh, when I took a job last year in Newport Beach, you know, I was sitting there with Coach Mummy, and I said, hey, we should have a clinic out there in Newport Beach, California. Yeah, uh, right. And he's, like, <laughs> and, uh, and he's like, yeah, yeah. And I was like, dude, let's bring back the one-back clinic. It had been almost seven or eight years since there had been one. And uh, so the first one was literally all the contacts of coaches I'd ever coached with, you know, John Jenkins, uh, June Jones. Hal Mummy, Noel Mazzoni, uh, Timmy Change worked with him a little bit, or we crossed paths at SMU before he, he left. He originally GA there before I got there. Then uh, Mike Leach. And, and yeah, let's, let's bring it back. And so you're right. It, it probably at this point in time deserves maybe a little bit different name, but it's kind of just <laughs> keeping, that le- keeping that legacy on of the, of the Hal Mummy one-back clinic. And, we brought it back and we had a lot of success. We, we had people come out there and you know how the clinic goes. And, and this year we're having it now in Dallas, Texas, because we had people flying from everywhere. You mentioned coach Mackey. I mean, he came all the way from Carolina, to California. We had guys flying from Kansas and even guys flying from Alaska. You know, that's how unique that kind of that lineup was. Uh, and so now we decided, you know, hey, I'm not living over there anymore. I'm in Jackson, Mississippi. Well, let's let's center it in America. Let's have it in Dallas, Texas. And so uh, we're having it at June 2nd, and it's at the University of North Texas at Dallas, which is right south of downtown. Uh, you can go to onebackclinic.com to get all the information to register, see our location, see the hotel and all those things. Um and so how the clinic goes is, you know, we'll have our speakers come up. This year's speakers, you know, Coach Mummy and Coach Jenkins return. Coach June will schedule it again next year, maybe a different time to where he can. They're in the middle of their, their camp at, at Hamilton Tiger Cats now that he's the head coach there. 
so he's on a different schedule. But, you know, three guys were coming as one of your former coaches, Jason Phillips, will be speaking. And I think he has one of the most unique backgrounds of all time, being a former player at Houston at the run-and-shoot offense, leading the nation as an All-American receiver, then coming back and coaching one of the most prolific offenses of all time with Case Keenum uh, as a co-OC with the Houston Cougars uh, during your time there in the air raid offense. So anything he says is just like awesome. He's, he's, and he's one of the best receiver fundamental coaches of all time. Uh, then uh, we have coach Phil Longo, who's coming in uh, offensive coordinator at Ole Miss. And then our last speaker will be Sonny Dykes, the head coach of uh, SMU with an obvious air raid background and, used to GA with Coach Mummy at, at Kentucky, and that'll be our, kind of our lineup. And we'll also have some we, – we have some how to defend the one-back clinic uh, speakers coming. We have Texas A&M Commerce defensive staff coming to speak. They just came off winning the national championship in Division Two, so we're really happy to get those guys. They're, they're very innovative, and mainly all those colleges at that level, they're, they're doing something that's special, that works. So we're glad to be there. We'll have our Jackson State defensive staff. And also Tom Mason, who just came from UTEP uh, as a defensive coordinator, be there as well. So how it works is, you know, they'll go up there and speak for an hour. This is what, what I love about our clinic is they go up there and speak for an hour, and then we get that breakout session. And last year we literally had a chalkboard. And uh, we go, and here's the breakout session, and it was chalk talk. And you can sit there. And if, say, you've admired Coach Mummy and what he's done, uh, you know, hey, uh, Coach Mummy, you know, what are you telling uh, your Z on mesh? Or what do you, what, what depth do you set the mesh? And then he'll, he'll draw it up. He'll answer any question you have. And they'll literally sit there for 30 minutes an hour answering questions. You know, you can meet them, take a photo with them, whatever you want to do. That's the best part of 20. And uh, so you'll get to do that with all five of our speakers. Uh, you know, it's a special deal, and it's a unique group of people. There'll be other coaches rumored to come in. I can't conform, confirm or deny they'll be there, but some coaches just come uh, just to hang out and be a part of that group. You know, Kingsbury might be joint, dropping by. You know, Graham Harrell might be dropping by. Sonny Cumbie might be dropping by. Even Mike Leach might come and drop by just to be a part and be around with everybody because once the clinic's over, it's, it's not. It'll go on to McKinney Street, and we'll all be out <laughs> and still talking ball and, uh, you know, be out, uh, be out getting a drink or two and, and keeping the clinic going throughout the night. I'd say that's another thing that you know about the old uh, air raid guys was a lot of pretty legendary uh, night owls. I will say that from some, <laughs> of the, from some of the times I've been at the AFCA and, and, and talking with Leach, guarantee he didn't remember it. Uh, talking with Holgerson, some of those guys, uh, you know. But, I mean, at the same time, at the token, I mean, you, you say it kind of tongue-in-cheek, but those guys were always super open uh, when you were a high school guy. And, you know, you maybe you had a player or two. Those guys always wanted to talk to you and say what's up and, and were super cool and super approachable. And I think that's a testament to what you guys are doing at the clinic. Those guys are all more than willing to give back grow the game and, and share the things they have. Cause none of those guys think they're gurus. You know, there's people that say it in the media. Oh, he's an air raid guru. None of those guys would ever think that about themselves. I, I, at least from, from my interactions with them. Right. No, you know, we don't think we have a secret play or anything. I just, you know, when you say air raid uh, and you compare to West coast guys, you know, we just, we take practice, uh, pride in how we practice and the drills we do and, 
you know, that's that's where we think we get our success is the no way we, we coach the game with fundamentals and, and our up-tempo practice because it was innovative. You know, no one no one ran a practice schedule until Mummy and Leach kind of came up with their formula, and we shared everybody. So it's it's not a play that's winning this game. It's, it's what we do 90% of the time outside the game that are, are, are doing it. So, yeah, we're, they're, they're always been more willing to give back. And I think a lot of that, too, is just Coach Mummy's history of uh, being a young coach and Lavelle Edwards writing them back, Bill Walsh writing them back, and he was just a high school coach in Corpus Christi. And uh, he's, he's been a high school coach. He grew up, you know, in Texas, and he knows what that's like. And to, to give back to the game, you know, he, he's more than willing. And uh, so, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's what I was most upset was that I, I wasn't going to get to see Coach Phillips. I, I liked uh, – I loved Coach Phillips because he was one of the few receivers coaches because, like you mentioned, you know, he was an All-American. He was a receivers coach when I was at Houston. He was one of the few receivers coaches that were really, like, hard on the receivers. He wasn't like, you know, let's go out here and, and cool guy around and do all this. He was, he was on their ass to make sure they were working hard and he would rip some of those receivers that weren't working hard. And one of the few that I've ever been around that was like that, and I thought it was awesome. And, you know, obviously he had some really athletic wide receivers, but while he was there, his receivers were, were the real deal. And it, it's this, he's, he's coaching like he played. You know, he, he has a little dog. He had a dog to him when he played. And he, he's, he, he wanted he – he's a gamer at receiver. You know, that's why he did what he did because, you know, he, he was a slot receiver and he, he, he hit the perfect team to be a part of as a receiver and hit it at the time where, you know, getting a shorter receiver that's five seven five eight, he wasn't really going to make it, you know. But he peaked right at the right time with the run and shoot where he could now strive through his athletic ability and route running. And, you know, being, being that size, you know, you, you create a dog in you. And one of my favorite stories is, you know, he made it in the NFL. He played seven or eight years. And when he used to, you know, play for the Falcons, here would be one-on-one drill, and here's Deion Sanders. And that was an opportunity for Jason Phillips. He worked Deion like a dog. It was one of the few receivers Deion Sanders ever admits that could just beat him daily. And it made him better and to the point where Dion, when he got inducted to the Hall of Fame, mentioned Jason Phillips. This is the best practice player, not practice, but the best gamer he ever had to guard in practice because he went at him 100 every time. Because that's who Jason is. So when he coaches, he's trying to get that same dog he had out of those players. And like you said, he is on them. Because you got to love it and you got to become tough or you won't make it with them. He wants tough receivers. And those are always fun when you're an offensive lineman. If you got a bunch of receivers that are tough and get after it and they're not the, the pretty boys that get away with everything, uh, you know, I know Coach Walls has said it a thousand times, but it really is. It doesn't create a division between your offensive line and receivers. It makes you, you know, really respect those guys and, and uh, respect what they're doing. I, I mean, uh, like I said, I've only got had, you know, those few years at Houston and only two years when it was really, really rolling. But, you know, those guys – you know, we, I look back at that Law Tech game we were in. We were down, whatever, 30-something points, it seemed like, in the third quarter and came back and, and hit. Uh, I want to say – now, I don't know much about this play because I have no idea what it was. I was just in alignment. It was whatever. <laughs> it was a 900, so I was in 90 protection. But um, it was some route. They always throw Patrick Edwards, you know, and I think this probably comes back to, to Coach Phillips. But 
was running a route that just a clear out route. I think they said they had never thrown this route on the backside of, of whatever this was. Well, he's running at full speed. Case is getting pressure, sees him and, and chunks one up in the back of the end zone. And since Pat was running as fast as he possibly could, catches it in the back of the end zone to win the game like a whatever 28-point comeback, whatever it was against Law Tech that year. So, um, you know, and I, I think a lot of that obviously has to go to Patrick Edwards, but it's to Coach Phillips as well by, by making those guys run every route hard and really being hard on those guys to make them as good as they can. And so, you know, that was highlighted in film the next day. And, and again, no idea what it was or, or anything about it, but that's what was said by Kingsbury. And, and so I trust him, believe it. But uh, just kind of cool to see those guys work hard um, when you're an offensive lineman. Right, no, absolutely. And then what makes them special is, I'm telling you, the greatest fundamental coach ever. Not only are they tough, but just fundamentally sound. Everything I do when I coach receivers, like 95% comes from Coach Phillips, Jason Phillips. He, he is the man when it comes to the, to the uh, fundamentals from point A and stance and start to point B finish. He is, he's the guy. So, so what you were saying, Coach, it was the one-back clinic. So, is this only its second year in a row now? Because it used to be it used to be a big thing, and now you guys just brought it back. Is that right? Right. It's uh, the second time I've I've kind of taken over as the clinic director as Coach Mummy's appointed me. So I've, I've directed it. So it's our <laughs> second year in the rebirth of it. Uh, I got you. Okay. And and so yeah, this will be our second year moving it from Newport. Uh, now to uh, Dallas, Texas, and yeah, right there, June second, the weekend after uh, the Saturday after Memorial Weekend. Well, and, I like uh, the date. You know, I like the date a lot because it seems like you know a lot of these clinics are kind of put on more for college coaches. It seems like you know, or, or during a, a time that's good for them, that it just makes it extremely tough for high school coaches to uh, get out of class, get out of doing all this stuff, to get down to to go watch these clinics. All these coaches want to do it where there's not as many summer clinics. And, and that's honestly the time where it's, it's really good for, for high school coaches to be able to go learn from clinics is over the summer. You know, I kind of wish there were – I'm sure there's, there's great reasons not to have them then. But um, uh, to me, I've always wished that these clinics were over the summer because it, that's the time when these high school coaches can get out and can take a Thursday, Friday, Saturday off because they're not, you know, they're not teaching. So they can get up there, they can go – and get the full aspect out of a clinic without taking sick days or off days or whatever. Right. No, I, absolutely. You know, we, we had it Memorial Weekend last last year, and, you know, that was kind of a, a pro and a con because some people are like, no, it's Memorial Weekend. I want to get away from football. And then some are like, oh, I'm off this weekend. I can come. Uh, and so, you know, as we talked, especially throughout Texas high school coaches, you know, Memorial Weekend's a big deal, so we, we decided to have it. Hey, let's just push it back a week. And like you said, most people are out of school, and, you know, you, you, you're doing your summer workouts or whatever it is, Monday through Friday, and now here's Saturday, and we're right here in Dallas, the center of Texas, for those guys and for people to fly in. They, they come in, and it should be kind of the dead time of the year, and uh, we hope to get a big crowd. Coach, you got me fired up, man. I'm, I might have to just come down so I can listen to, to Phillips talk a little bit. I'm coaching receivers now, too, so maybe I'll jet on down there and let's get it on, man. be fun. Yeah, yeah. Tell those tell that Oklahoma strike to, to hey, cool it, cool it now. i got to go see Jason. <laughs> i got to get to the one-back clinic. Y'all are messing up my schedule here. 
Yeah. <laughs> That's right. So, well, yeah, my, no. my mom lives down in Wiley. So, um, again, if we weren't having the kids come the ne- come in the next day, we'd be able to get down because she lives right by the – right in Dallas-Fort Worth area. And so it'd be something that even though I, I don't run – we don't run air raid at my high school and, and I don't ever see us necessarily, uh, you know, me ever running it. If I were ever a coordinator, I just think – the, the Come on, Jay, Jay used to run it. Come on, what are you talking about? I, I know our offensive coordinator used to run it, and he's gone to a bunch of the clinics. And, and when I told him about it and um, told him that we were about to talk to you, he was r- really excited. He was like, I, you know, read him off the names. He's like, those are some big-time names. You know, he was – he ran it at, at University of Central Oklahoma. So he was, you know, big – put up big numbers there. And so he was excited about it. But uh, I just I just find it interesting even uh, – I got to – I was – I was uh, – at a baseball game, and I was keeping score at a baseball game uh, in high school. And so Jay Wilkinson, our offense coordinator, came up and was sitting up there with me because he was over the whole thing or whatever. But And, and he just got into about a 30-minute talk about all – and I forgot half of it, but all how the air raid kind of came about and mummy and then the different splits and the different, you know, sections of that and then kind of what these guys run, what these guys run. It's just – it's such a cool history of the game of football. So – um, even if, you know, even though I don't ever see myself, if I were ever to run anything running it, it's just even, you know, like you said, picking up something for receivers or just getting the whole backstory and just being around like the, the history, the legend of it. All right. And, and, you know, to, to anyone's credit, who's coaching this is one of my favorite quotes. Um, you know, to me, the air rate, it's not a place. It's just kind of a, it's a, it's an ego. It's kind of a, uh, who we are type deal, but and because you know the air term gets thrown around, but if you look at what the New England Patriots are doing, that that is the the <laughs> the ego of an air to the T. Brady just threw for 500 yards in the Super Bowl, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. and they're throwing yeah. it every time, empty in and out. But would we say they're air raid? No, but it's not about the play. It's about your, your who you are and kind of a. Um, an ego type deal of this is this is what we're going to do and we take great pride in our quarterback we think he's great and we're going to be efficient so you know to say you're never going to run the area or anything I, I would say this too because you know when I when I finally get where I'm going to get one day will I say I'm an area guy well I, I look at one quote that says hey you're born an original don't die copy and so I might get a bunch of great ideas from this offense and the West Coast offense and run and shoot and air raid and Coach Lundy and Coach Jenkins, Coach all these guys. And who's to know at that point, at the right time when it peaks, man, hey, I'm going to come out with what all that matters is the most efficient offense I can come out with and it take over football. We don't know. But, you know, is my quarterback efficient? Can we throw the football? Are we fundamentally sound? And can we move the chains? If we can do all those things, whether or not we run the football or throwing it, it's going to take a life of its own, and, and people will be calling. You know, it's it, whatever, whatever they, whatever they want to. You know, it's funny you, <laughs> the you, AJ, you hear about the AJ raid. <laughs> the, yeah, the 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 AJ raid. It's funny you you listen to the guys that really started the West Coast offense with Bill Walsh and Sam White. Uh, they get they're kind of upset about the name because the guy who named the offense was Bill Parcells, and he goes, ah, that West Coast offense, 
And, uh, you know, you read their books and, and read what they said. They're like, well, if anything, it should be called the Mid-Central offense because we came up with it when we were with Paul Brown. And, you know, if the Browns or the Bengals, whatever one they're at. Yep. And they get they are kind of like get offended by that. Well, you know they weren't branding themselves like Mummy and Leeson and came up with something cooler before the defense could. So that's right. You know, uh, but to me, it's it's just you know uh, who who you are and, and whether sure. or not you want to throw it around because you got efficient quarterback or hey you know whatever whatever efficient. But you know just just be yourself, be true to who you are, and if you can coach. Uh, you're going to have something that's that's awesome. I think you say it all, man. You don't, you don't, especially in high school. I, I always wanted to have a system where it was going to fit whatever I had, and if I if I had a great running back, I was going to smash it. But that's only going to work for so long. I mean, eventually you're going to have to be able to throw the football at some point. You know, whether it's it's a third down that you need it, or it's it's going to be a red zone completion you got to have. I mean, you have to have the ability to to do both. Right. And in some years it might be a little bit more than others, but I always wanted to be able to, to be well-rounded and, and be able to coach both of them. You know what I'm saying? Right. Absolutely. You know, there's, it's whatever personality you take on and being true to who yourself. And, you know, I think guys get at fault when they want to go one way or the other, you know, mm -hmm. I think, you know, guys that just say, hey, we're going to run this run play. Let's say the power. We're in the run the power podcast. But you got a guy back there that's an average running back. Uh, it's, it's not the same if you had, let's say, Adrian Peterson back there. Then we're going to lose because they stuffed the power play 30 times. But that's our best player, and that's what we're going to do. Would you feel the same way if you had an average, quarter, uh, average running back and it was Aaron Rodgers handing the ball off? You know, that's where you got to, you got to know ball and exactly. that's where the good coaches become, you know, what, what they do. And so I think if you stay true to who you are and you don't go one way or the other, unless you have a personnel that's special, then that's why you see Brady where he's at now, where he's throwing for 500 yards. Cause they know, Hey, if we lose, we lose Brady throwing every time, <laughs> uh, you know, you'll, you'll be efficient. Now I think right. the Eagles proved that this year, you know, Doug's a conservative guy, you know, mm -hmm. we weren't, we weren't, putting up massive numbers in high school and he wasn't putting up massive numbers through the air uh with the eagles but when it came time to the super bowl he saw a weakness in the secondary and they threw for x amount of yards and again he saw the weakness he's not sided one way or the other and it won him the championships no doubt well, well coach thanks for taking the time i'm sure you're busy i know um all the college coaches that they stay busy 24 7 so i appreciate you carving out an hour and, and talking some football with us no, absolutely. I appreciate you guys coming on. If we don't see you this year at this one back clinic, you know, hope to see you the next year and we'll keep that rocking and, and thanks for having me. And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again thank all of our sponsors. You guys make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it will allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at runthepower. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.